Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Luck. I'm from The Athletic, and each week I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Up next is Corey LaJoy from Spire Motorsports. Corey has his own podcast, Stacking Pennies. He's obviously a great talker, and I knew he would give good answers to the 12 questions once again, so I wanted to go to him early in the season. Plus, he's off to a pretty decent start for Spire. He has two top 15 finishes already this season, so continues to stack the pennies in hopes of getting to nickels and then dimes and quarters and dollars. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this week's edition of the 12 questions, so let's jump right into it and see what you think. All right, everybody, here I am with Corey LaJoy, who's eating a Bilt Bar, proving that he samples his sponsor product. What a good what a good promo to start off. It's actually a Bilt Puff. Club. A Bilt Puff. It was a Bilt Puff. Yep. They have different kinds of things. Consistencies a bit. This yeah. is more of a marshmallow type consistency. It looks Banana, very, very cream tasty. pie. It is very tasty. Yes, I, I've had those. They are good. They're good. Um, so let's see if these 12 questions are good this year or whether they stink. Okay. Um, the first one is, how do you feel about people reclining their seats on airplanes? See, I like to put my head up against the back of the headrest and sleep. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I don't mind people. Um, the ones I don't really like are the ones that move around all the time and like the seats bouncing back and forth. I'm like, dude, just stay stationary. Mm-hmm. You can recline if you want. Just be consistent. Right. Don't keep moving it during the flight. No. Up, down, or even like the ones that are restless and they get like the... Oh, they start pushing in the back of the chair, moves it back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not like, cause I, I recline it occasionally, but you know, I don't have anything against people to do. Just stay where you're at. Okay. Understood. How often do you get recognized at the grocery store? Not often. And I do think that, you know, people in Davidson or Cornelius, they're familiar with seeing Kyle Bush and Joey and like everybody out and about. So seeing a D-level celebrity <laughs> such as myself does not really perk many people up in the public that I go shop at. Okay, okay. Even with the hair, it's not like... I'm way more recognizable by the hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people can spot me by that way more often now. Yeah, yeah. because if you see somebody in the store that just looks different to begin with, your eyes are drawn to them. And then if it's like, oh, different and celebrity... Don't go. even you. I'm not a celebrity luck. I'm just a race car driver. Around racing country. Yes, I, I'll get people. Since the hair became a thing, like the beginning of last year, towards the end of last 2020. Um, yeah, I get recognized. I, hopefully, it's a combination. I run a little bit better. I don't think it is though. I think it's just my hairstyle's a little bit different than everybody else's. Uh-huh. Uh huh. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at replying to text messages in a timely manner? Oh man, um, one to ten. Ten being the best. Like an eight. Oh, okay. I feel pretty like I'm pretty good. good, but there's also times where I won't respond for somebody for three weeks and I'll be working out or somebody and be like, oh, shit, I forgot to text that guy back. Mm-hmm. And, and Sparks was just walking around and held a three up. So some days I'm a three, some days I'm an eight, mm-hmm. you know, and it's everywhere in between. If it's my wife, sometimes a three. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say always a 10. But no. <laughs> uh, what is the best way to get out of a conversation with someone who won't stop talking? Take a fake phone call. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. Oh, 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 sorry. It's the wife. Let me see what she wants. Yeah. Just reach for the phone. Yeah. They don't, they don't know that it's vibrating or not. Right. I'm That's a vibrate. Right. I'm a vibrate ringer guy. So I, I don't pull that out very often, mm-hmm. you know, but 
if they're if you get stuck with somebody that's wanting to chat it up and you got somewhere to go, it's like, oh, hang on, my wife's calling. Oh, sorry, I gotta go. The next innovation they need, like for an iPhone, is to somehow like be able to reach back and like, let's say, hit the button a certain amount of times and automatically calls you. So then you it, you can actually show them. Oh, I'm getting a call. Well, before long, look, you're just gonna be thinking about what you want your phone to do, and it's just gonna do it. That's true. so. Yeah. We're not too far from that. That's true. If you could only pick one form of social media uh, to use and drop all the rest, which would it be? Instagram. Mm, okay. I, lo- I love Instagram. Um, now, I hate social media, um, but Instagram is so addictive. I like the stories. I like the interaction on there. Um, I can do without Twitter because Twitter is just a s- cesspool of vitriol people. Um, but... Where else are you going to go for dumb opinions and, you know, some super biased uh, news networks? You know, that's where you go. Well, you you had a comment recently on Twitter where you responded to somebody's terribly uninformed opinion. You just put, this is Twitter. Yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah. Because you're referring to the guy that was talking about when, when Jimmy Johnson announced his CBDMD sponsorship. That just goes to show how people only read the headlines. Mm-hmm. And they won't read a two-sheet story. Right. They'll read the headlines and then make a judgment based off of that. Right, right. That's how 98% of people deal with news anymore. But, yeah, that guy in particular was not very informed or had any clue what was going on. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give someone who is having a hard time getting over a mistake they've made? Man, I could, you can put that in a lot of different contexts but i think that people's memory short it, it really is and five years from now when you look back on it it's probably either a learning a learning opportunity or you know something that you can uh you can learn not to do it again um but yeah i, I what's what's i just try to let bygones be bygones and because at the end of the day like it only matters what you're going to do the next time or tomorrow mm-hmm. right so can't change what you do in the past you gotta learn from it yeah yeah okay so this next one is a wild card question and i'm going to turn your own question on you so you use this for your podcast every week on stacking pennies and i you also used it as your question for the next guy last year's 12 questions but i don't know that i've heard you give an answer maybe you have on one of your episodes of the podcast but i have not heard you answer it or i don't remember it yeah if so so the question you ask everybody every guest that comes on is uh, if you had to drive one car uh, at one track, and that's it, that's all you can choose. I'm not even phrasing it yeah. right, am I? No, you're right. Um, if what, you had to pick what, one car and one racetrack to race at for the rest of your life, Yes. what are you doing? What would it be? And so what, what was your answer to yeah, that? Yeah, for me, it would be a super late at Rockingham. Oh, interesting. Because I think it would be different every time you race, no matter if it was a night race, day race. Uh, the tires would be different. Um, so there would be... Uh, Rockingham is one of my favorite racetracks. We have won there three times in a late mile stock. Never got a chance to race a super there. Raced an Arca car there. Raced a Canyon car there. Ran well in all of them. Uh, but a super at Rockingham would be what I would pick for to race at every week. Okay. Why Why do you like asking that question to your guests? You, you feel like that says a lot about the I driver? It, it says a lot about the driver. It says a lot about you know their, their roots. If they can go back to their roots, if all of this wasn't about the money. Um, what they would choose to do. Uh, I think that gives, gives a pretty good peek into somebody's upbringing and what their passions of racing come from. Okay. Uh, if someone blatantly wrecked you to win a race, would you interrupt their celebration? 
Dude, I think about when I was a little kid, I forgot what year it was. I was watching a bush race at the MRO suite. My dad was racing when Biffle wrecked Harvick. And Harvick jumps over the deck lid and grabs oh, yeah. him by the fire suit in victory lane. I thought that was the coolest shit ever. <laughs> so, absolutely. Okay. If I got trashed for the win, I would I would pull the old Kevin Harvick. I, that may have been like 04 or somewhere in there. Um, Harvick was driving the Reese's car and Biffle was driving the Granger car. And I remember the look on Harvick's face. He, was, he had a goatee and he was just fired up. Mm-hmm. If I was in position, I got trashed. Because I don't get in those positions very often, Gluck. If somebody trashed me for a win, I'd be pretty pissed. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, what movie do you think you've seen the most times over the last year? Um, well, no no question. It's, it's Moana for my kid. I mean, multiple times a day. We've transitioned from Moana to Encanto. Mm-hmm. That's his favorite, his new favorite now. So it's a mix between. If I, I've probably seen in uh, Moana, give or take, three hundred times, and I've seen Encanto, um, probably two hundred times. Okay. So one of those two movies. Yeah, you and Tyler Reddick. Apparently, Bo Reddick is also a big Moana fan. Dude, the so. music's in music in there is in there great. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the colors are vibrant. It's a pretty good kids movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I could probably sing every word. Yeah. Of it right now. Yeah. Not gonna do that. Though. Cars three he does look. He does love Cars three. He's probably watched Cars three 150 times. Oh, okay, that's yeah. good. That's good. Mix it up. Yeah, you know, for my own sanity. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand that. Uh, when you think about NASCAR five years from now, what are you the most optimistic about, and what worries you the most? Man, I, there's a lot of stuff to be optimistic about. I just took a bike ride through the campground here in California, and it was Talladega esque, if not even more uh, of a party, and it was. That was at 6.30 at night. So I think just to see people back at the racetrack, how excited they are that Daytona 500 was a sellout. I think the next-gen car brings up a lot of opportunities for potential OEMs, which NASCAR is at its strongest when there's more OEMs that are dumping money in, and, and that high tide will be raised on all ships. Uh, and especially with the new TVD on the horizon, hopefully uh, if it's compared to any other sports deal, it'll be considerably more than what it is now. So hopefully some of that trickles down to the teams, in which case if the teams are making more money, then the drivers are making more money, and the team the team members are making more money, it could do a lot of good things. And, you know, sitting here after practice qualifying in California, and there's a lot of guys busting their ass. Um, you know, you're probably a little bit scared on, you know, going to these places for the first time, relying on simulation um, that you're not really sure it's validated quite yet. For a smaller team especially, you have less, way less points of reference and data to pull from with limited simulation time and, and things like that. Trickle-down information from the OEMs is really hard to come by. But um, there's a lot more things to be optimistic about than there are to be scared about for the next five years of the sport. Nice. Okay. So a magic genie appears and offers you the chance to go back to the beginning of your racing career and start all over but you get to retain all the knowledge and experience you have now. Oh, wow. So do you accept the offer to go back or do you stay where you are in the present? Oh, wow, that's a great question. <clears throat> Gosh, I would like to think that I'd go back and do it all over again because, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I kind of got s- stuck in, like, NASCAR purgatory of missing, like, my window to get hooked up with a great team to, like, develop my talent at a young age. Uh, but I, on the flip side of that, I learned so many life lessons to where I'm at currently uh, that I wouldn't have if the red carpet was rolled out and my path was easy. And, I, you know, it, if I didn't 
have any obstructions, if I had worked with the best people, if I was able to hone my craft with other people as opposed to like looking inside and be like, okay, dude, how bad do you want this thing? Um, if I like all of that stuff has molded me into who I am now, do I think that I've missed out on a lot of opportunities and resources to be a better race car driver? Probably so. But, um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this though, isn't about how fast you drive a race car. A lot of, a lot of this is how you deal with ups and downs, how you lift other people on your team up around you. Um, there's a lot more of the mental aspect that I didn't realize when I was a kid that I would go to the point that I would go back to with the genie. Um, I don't know if I would be as mentally strong or tough or just flexible as I am right now had everything went how I thought they'd go. So, you know, I don't, I don't think I would. I, I'm making a damn good living. I'm, I, I love going to the racetrack with the group I'm, I've got. It's not easy and it's sometimes not fun, but, um, you know, I think that I'm comfortable where I'm at with who I am as a race car driver. I'm comfortable where I'm at with who I am as a teammate. So, um, you know, if five years from now I'm at a race winning organization or we can make Spire into a race winning organization, that's the goal. But right now I'm pretty, I'm pretty content with where I'm at. Okay. I love that answer. Um, so the last interview I did was with um, Chase Briscoe and he submitted a parenting question, which I love because I could talk about dad stuff all day. Cause yeah. it's like when you're a parent, I feel like talking to other parents is almost like therapy. Or For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to, to know somebody else is in the in the trenches with you yes. doing the same thing is it's it's uh, definitely th- therapeutic. Yes, yeah. exactly. So his question is: uh, as a new dad and someone still trying to improve their career with all the stress and commitments that both jobs require, how do you balance it all? And do you have any advice for Mr. Briscoe? Ooh, man, it's tough. Um, that's what my wife and I butt heads about all the time because work work like work life balance was. I'm pretty. I'm probably on the worst like spectrum of that compared to some guys, but um, some of which because I feel like it's a necessity just to continue to work and get better. And you know, racing for a smaller team requires a lot more effort at the shop, physically mounting seats and doing the a lot of the things a lot of the other guys don't. But um, I try to spend as much time at home. I'll take Levi to the cup shop. I try to bring him around different people as much as I possibly can just to you know get him used to seeing different faces and having conversations he can't talk quite yet but um get him used to just being in uncomfortable position similar to how my dad was with me mm-hmm. so you know uh Chase's son Brooks has the same opportunity Chase can bring him you know to Stuart Haas and just meet different people and get comfortable with, with strangers I think is important uh but the work-life balance is something that's always gonna be something I feel like I'm never good enough at. So if I can just turn the little focus thing on on my phone with the new update when I, you know, walk into the house and not work too much, if I can be present physically and emotionally and mentally present when I'm home is um, probably a pretty good start. Yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, honestly, if anybody out there is a parent and feels like they've nailed that balance, please tweet both of us and let us know. Uh, I'm sure we could all use that advice. Um, I don't know who the next interview is with yet. You can either uh, give a question, generic question, or I can come back to you when I know who the interview will be with. I like knowing who it is. Gotcha. To tailor the question to that person. Yes. So you let me know. Okay, I will do that. Okay. Thank you for doing this. It was nice to not be, you know, last year's interview was still behind the glass wall. 
in the Daytona garage. So this We're was back nice. to some normalcy, Cluck. It's, it's <laughs> nice to see you. Absolutely. Nice to see your face again. Yep. Thank you. All right, everybody. There you have it. Corey LaJoy on the 12 questions. And I actually do know who the next one is with now. It will be with Ben Rhodes, the truck series champion from last year. And Corey's question for Ben Rhodes is, what was the biggest watershed moment of your career? The time when something happened that if it hadn't, it would have been the end of your driving career. So I will ask that to Ben Rhodes on next week's 12 questions. And actually, I can tell you that I've already recorded that one, and it's going to be one of the better 12 questions. Well, I feel like all these have been good so far this year. That's just my personal opinion. I feel like the drivers have been bringing it, but I, I thought Ben Rhodes was particularly good and insightful as well. So I really hope you'll give that one a chance when it comes out next week, heading into the Atlanta race. Of course, the timing for that uh, depends on whether you're a subscriber to The Athletic or not, because subscribers get early access and uh, to the written version and the podcast version. Um, if you're not a subscriber and you're just listening to this, the free version, that's cool. I appreciate it. Um, but it obviously comes out five, six days later uh, than the original version. Uh, if you'd like to become a subscriber to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash 12 questions and see the latest deal. Anyway, I appreciate you as always for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.